Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, we welcome back Simon St. Laurent to talk about the latest in technology news. We talk about Amazon's best week ever and how our transportation is all becoming automated. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. Make plans for CSS DevConf 2017. Grab your tickets now and learn from Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Mina Markham, Harry Roberts, Estelle Weil, and many, many more. All in New Orleans. Tickets are on sale now at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by yours truly. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com. I have the best links of the week sent to your email. Speaking of email, set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. Whenever a new show is ready, be notified in your inbox by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Of course, you can find all the links to the stories we talked about today at nonbreakingspace.tv with our show notes and links. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. And as always, thank you for telling others about Nonbreaking Space. Now, on with the show. Cool, yeah, so it's, uh, it's good to have you back on the show. Yeah. Haven't talked to you in a while. Um, I think it's been like a couple months at least. Yeah, so, it's been busy. Yeah, cool. Countdown. Number eight. Uh, yeah, so the first thing I want to say is that Amazon is having an amazing week or so. Just like it's just been having a great week. Uh, first, uh, I mean, did you know that you could buy uh, five goods from Amazon Pantry and have it delivered for five ninety nine, or and then Pantry goods are like you know like stuff for the kitchen, or for a flat thirty seven billion dollars, you can get all of Whole Foods. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they listed it as an item on Amazon. I, I did like the joke about you know. Jeff Bezos telling his Alexa to to buy something from Whole Foods and it comes back having bought the company instead. Right. But yeah. Usually there's a little more conversation in there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I saw that joke. Like, uh, go through Twitter pretty, and Facebook pretty fast. But uh, um, what was it? Uh, yeah, I just I thought it was it was amazing. Um, I had a friend who was trying to uh, apply for a job. Uh, Austin, Texas, is the uh, headquarters of Whole Foods. And so she was applying for jobs and then uh, she was told like, oh, like the job is no longer there. And in fact, a lot of number of the jobs were pulled and we're like, wow, what's, what's going on? And like, we thought like uh, another grocery chain was going to buy Whole Foods and we were kind of like just down because like, no, there's like, we're not big Whole Foods uh, shoppers mm-hmm. per se, but we just like, you know, we like the brand. Uh, we like what they kind of like stand for and a lot of things. And so um, just to see them like be consumed by Albertsons, which uh, I used to do a lot of shopping uh, in my hometown. Not really a big Albertsons fan, fan, and so I was like, "Oh, I was just kind of bummed." But uh, <laughs> and then, uh, but now Amazon's bought them, and now I have no idea, right? How they're going to interpret uh, the grocery shopping experience well, in the Amazon way? So, in a way, Amazon's been a grocery store for a while. It's yeah, it's been kind of the weird specialty grocery store. Like, I needed to get some fermented black beans at one point. Yeah. And I couldn't find them locally. I mean, my, my usual pattern with Amazon is I read the reviews on things and buy them locally if I can. But these black fermented beans, they just, I couldn't find them anywhere. Right. Um, 
so you know they were always sort of my grocery store of, of last resort yeah um, try not to buy anything refrigerated but um, you know I think I think it's going to be interesting in a couple of ways I mean first I, I'm talking about you know Amazon has always been sort of delivering grocery items that were obscure and Whole Foods kind of made its name on things that you didn't find in every other grocery store. Uh, but the other piece is that watching as Amazon really has opened like the small Amazon stores and things like that, they're, they're clearly getting into that brick and mortar story more. And Whole Foods probably is a thousand times larger than the previous brick and mortar store story. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I think there could be, there could be possibilities running both directions. Right. I mean, it sounds like it could be like a real estate play, like the well, outage McDonald's is like their real estate company. And so I like, and then also I like to play that uh, people who go to Whole Foods might be more inclined to buy, you know, Amazon, you know, you know hardware or use the brand. And so, and, you know, with the, and basically, yeah, I, I just, it's good leveraging of the warehouse warehouses that Amazon has already. So all the stuff that can be, that's not perishable could probably easily go into a warehouse. So that Amazon owns. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm really curious because in a lot of ways, the logistics for a grocery store are different from the logistics that Amazon has, has done so well at, right. um, you know, displaying things to customers, uh, packing products up in, you know, full trucks worth of stuff. Right. Um, I don't think there are a lot of people who order enough from Amazon to need a tractor trailer, but grocery stores use them all the time. Right. Maybe I could find something really cheap and buy like a thousand of it and see if I get a tractor trailer. No, not doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean like well, Jared's pool always like back in the day. And I think still true is days that the search engine for Amazon is terrible, right? Cause in order for them to make their search engine worthwhile, they do like kind of this, black hat SEO thing and just put the title has this like all the keywords to a product's name usually. And then <laughs> it's so bad. It's like, you just, we can't, there's no granular uh, search of, of any real merit, I think. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so uh, maybe, you know, but, and I, my point that is like, I can't fathom how like you think how important search is to like Google in a way, but, uh, but it's also like, it's also the stuff that I think Google's added onto that helps make search better. Like, you know, like look geolocation and uh, more pref- you know, preferences and stuff like that too. So, but, but yeah, I just, it kind of amazes me that now that a really bad search engine store is now as a grocery store. So it's pretty, pretty crazy. Well, but, but, but they also have like a, they, but you know, to be fair, if you're in Seattle, they deliver groceries right now. Like, right. Yeah, They've so. been doing it. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe all those labels will start getting those long names on them. Yeah. It'll be a physical manifestation of a bizarre issue on the web. Yeah. Um, the other piece there, the a lot of the way that I you know find things on Amazon is that I'm hunting for them in Google, and Amazon turns out to be the only decent hit for something. Um, it's 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 hard to. Uh, it's hard to build a single system that solves everything for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, grocery stores have that serendipity thing going for them. You look for one thing, you find another. Um, Amazon, to some extent, has serendipity, uh, but Google somehow maximizes it. So I'll, I'll be curious how that all plays out. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then um, uh, Amazon 
had another great great thing that happened uh, uh, at the WWDC, mm-hmm. uh, which stands for what will developers covet. Uh, Tim Koch's Apple CEO, like this is like a kind of an hour plus long event where Apple comes out and just you know says anything. Like you know, if you're listening to the show, you probably know what WWDC is all about. So, but like the first thing that came out was that uh, Amazon Prime Video was going to be on Apple TV as a as an option, which is like crazy uh, good for for Amazon because uh, it's been Netflix and Hulu and you know other video channels, but they've never been on there. And in fact, I think. It, I think, you know, I, I don't have it as confirmation, but I think it was just kind of, there's like a mini cold war between Amazon and Apple that uh, Amazon doesn't sell Apple TVs on their site. They actually pulled them. Right. And so, and so maybe this will like get Apple back onto uh, to Amazon in terms of their Apple TVs. So Yeah, I, I always wondered about that because it, you know, the Apple brand loyalty thing, people who want an Apple product will, you know, seek it out and find it someplace. I, I almost wondered in some ways if Amazon was doing Apple a favor that way. Yeah. But um, hmm. because they I mean, yeah, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of complicated issues about being a supplier to Amazon. Yeah. Um, obviously, Apple is a supplier to Amazon and has, has made that trade. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here it's interesting because Apple is the the delivery mechanism for a lot of Amazon stuff with this, with this change. And I don't know, it's almost like a reciprocal relationship between gorillas. They're, they're both vast and they're both kind of helping each other out. I don't, I don't know if it's really going to make the cold war go away, right? but I I could actually see them sort of weirdly complementing each other with, you know, Amazon's cloud stuff and Apple's closer to the user stuff and, Ooh, that would be really scary. I'm not sure I really want to see Apple and Amazon come together as as good buddies, but maybe we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they'd be good buddies. I mean, because uh, Apple, you know, you know, they sell so many different products uh, in different ways, you know. But uh, you know, but to Apple, still hasn't. You know, they're starting the first steps to making their own content with their own uh, like TV show, like uh, I forgot, it's like Shark Tank for apps. Yes, which is what you really want to start your your foot up. But um, I'm sure it's a great show. Uh, is that uh, you know the start they're making their their play into making their own own original content, which is what Netflix is doing, uh, which Amazon's been doing. So it's um, so it's interesting to see where, see where they go with that. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's not that like one company is going to like take over, but you know there is an issue with like the new you know giants right of industry. You have a Google, Amazon, uh, you know, like Apple. You know, these are the the vast, you know, titans. Maybe some other, like, you can throw some other industries in there too. But like, you know, those those industries that control a lot. You know, I throw Microsoft in there too. So, but uh, but uh, yeah, this is the vast, you know. Right. Well, I've, I mean, I've always enjoyed the conversations about what can Apple do with all their cash. Yeah. And the usual answer seems to be become a bank. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are so many directions the world could go. So yeah, exactly. So, uh, and one thing, like, this is kind of a minor point, that, but I think that for people who uh, listen to podcasts, which if you're listening to this one, you you are probably listening to a mm-hmm. podcast, is that uh, Apple's made uh, some, I guess, overtures to uh, to actually make some major updates coming soon for for podcasts, and uh, it always amazes me. Like, you know, before we 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 started doing this podcast. You know, I was like, I was on the fence about podcasts in general because I didn't understand them very well. And uh, but I went to 
you know, part of my thing is like I always go to conferences I don't understand, to like topics I don't understand. And uh, I went to a podcast conference and many years ago, and I just like these people are really excited about podcasts, and I just do not get it at the time. And um, you know, and I still don't get it too today. Well, here we are, but here we're we are, but, yeah. but we're podcasting. <laughs> but uh, but part of that is like you know, Apple enjoys, if you will, in air quotes, you know, mm-hmm. being the go-to place for podcasts because the user used to go grab one, uh, and, I know, um, and just, you know, grab the feed and download it for, it's pretty easy to do that. Um, their podcast app for their iOS is better now than it was before, but it's still like, you know, not that great. Um, it could be better. And so, but also the analytics behind podcasts are mm-hmm. slowly lacking. It's kind of like just a, you know, big game of guess with advertising. It's sort of like, I, I figure I, I quit to a newspaper, advertising in terms of like you know reach you know so like that, that so now so now i'm hoping to see that uh i think apple is like trying like oh yeah we we own this huge market without even really trying <laughs> and uh and i uh, you know uh google's made some efforts to start um putting podcasts into their directory but uh, that's still kind of like yeah you know, still I mean, still baby steps so yeah i think apple kind of fell into it by accident mm-hmm. you know they 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 it wasn't a complete accident, you know. They had the functionality in iTunes pretty early, but it's not—it's never been the center of their focus, even for the iPod story. Um, but everywhere I go, I mean, like I was in the grocery store yesterday, and the clerk was talking about how much he enjoys the overnight shift because he can catch up with his podcasts. Yeah. Um, It's—I I think it's a pleasant surprise for everybody. Yeah. But the the analytics thing is what what interests me. I mean, I'm. I'm really cautious about analytics, like in that I we sort of have built the surveillance system. But if you're creating content and you're distributing it digitally, it just it, it makes sense to me to be able to see which parts of it people actually listen to and like. Right. That that seems like really basic, useful data to everybody that probably doesn't annoy listeners. Yeah. Um, and this this all looks like it makes the podcast story a lot saner. Um, it would be nice to have. I think it's going to lead to better podcasts. Okay. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's just it's always um, even um, Alex is great. Like the, the comment about surveillance network and uh, it is kind of scary, spooky. Uh, what, what can happen? But uh, but yeah, I think it's just great. I think it's going to be you know my kind of view of it, which is kind of like you know pessimistic like like view of it is just that they realize that Google is going to owns the video the YouTuber market, mm-hmm. you know, and they're looking at like well we have this. We have this thing that we can grow, and we could combine it with this Apple Music subscription service that we're mm-hmm. sort of happy with. You know, we're going to tell people we're happy with, but it's still, you know, we still have a couple of years, I think, to, to catch up with Spotify. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. So, all right, so yeah, I'm happy with it. Um, should be pretty good, I think. You know, I think Serial helped put podcasts on the map, on the in the mainstream. So should be pretty good. Yeah, I think. There's something else interesting here, which is that Apple seems to be going more and more towards audio interfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, Siri, obviously, the the weird wireless uh, earbuds. Um, there's there's definitely something happening there, and I, I think with that in mind, podcasts are just like a natural thing to to build into the story. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I definitely agree. With that. Number seven. Um, yeah, I mean, so Apple's doing the audio. It's also looking into other 
interactions with the world. Uh, the, the self-driving car has become visible, although it's it's not actually an Apple car, which kind of intrigues me. Um, it, you know, when I think about an Apple self-driving car, I basically think about like an iPad on wheels. I, I don't know why. It may be the wrong the wrong idea, but they're they're having fun with a Lexus SUV and they're. Uh, using parts from other people. I mean, these are all things that feel so not Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, they feel like they, they need to catch up. Uh, there's a lot that they've been doing. <sighs> there's a lot that they've been doing, like on that audio interface side that I was just talking about, that could work really beautifully inside a car. But I suspect Apple, as Apple does, wants to own a lot more of the experience than just, you know, here's something that plugs into your dashboard. And uh, we'll see... We'll see how far they can go. I still remember their Apple Maps debacle of a few years ago, which thankfully they've recovered from. Yeah. Um, I just, well, I'm very cautious on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm 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 a very big fan of Apple Maps in terms. Of I want them to succeed. I just yeah. Um, so I just downloaded the uh, the new iOS beta, which I probably shouldn't have, and. Uh, they're still ways off. Man. I still get redirected. I think that's mostly to do with places I was I was going. But uh, I just twice I've gone to the same location for two different spots, and uh, and I just think it's still still a ways off from being really good. But I think it is light years away from where it was first at. So, but yeah, I definitely. As much as I like and use Google Maps, I want there to be other alternatives. Yeah. So I'm cheering for Apple to get the mapping side right. right. Um, Google Maps did give me a delightful tour of many neighborhoods of Los Angeles last week. Yeah. Uh, because because the freeways were jammed as usual, but um, it was um, it was an exciting experience. Yeah. Um, mostly to do with uh, left turns that were you know 270 degrees instead of. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, on the car side, you know, as any time I drive in Los Angeles, I start wishing for a self-driving car. Um, oh, yeah. It's the, one, mean, yeah. it's the one place I really want one, like living out in the woods. and like, why would I want that? But then I go visit that. Um, I and, and sometimes, you know, Apple's neighborhood, the 101 is similarly terrible there. I, I, I can see where they're getting the ideas. It just it doesn't really look like they've gotten that far. And yeah. so I'll be curious if they can build that experience. Yeah, I think their solution isn't to own the hardware. I think they will own the hardware for you know your personal devices, but I feel like and I could be wrong here. I just don't like the leap to go from which is like Uber goes from like an app to to try trying to get a car, but but uh, I just feel like the the jump to own the car experience is just is just isn't where you want to go. I think they want to own the software, which I could be true for for Uber and for for Google as well. But I just feel like they want to at this time research as much as they can, and then maybe the initial offerings go into their like you know uh, Siri or Apple uh, car version mm-hmm. and and have that and and do that. So I just don't. Uh, you know, I'm going to see like a, I could foresee like a really good, you know, iPhone in your like cassette deck, if you will, that just, you know, that's your driving. You just plug it into your car and then it understands your needs and your, your profiles and like, you know, how fast you want your car to go and, you know, also, and then that can, that can drive you around and, and, and deal with the traffic of LA, which is like 
crazy. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, yes, crazy bad. I just can't. Well, from- <laughs> I shake my head. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, we got stuck. Uh, I have to tell my story, but it's just like, uh, I don't live there. You know, we, 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 we put on CSSF confident on the queen Mary, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. LA. And, and we got, uh, before we flew out, we wanted to, uh, uh, see the, uh, MoMA like in LA museum of Modern art. And, uh, and then we got stuck because there was a flood in Texas. And so we couldn't fly out. And, uh, so we had to get stuck twice going through LA traffic. I just like, ouch. Cause we had to go back to our hotel and say, do you have a spare room? But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of crazy, but, uh, but yeah, and just to believe that people go uh, five times a week have to deal with that for for the job, it's just being stuck for yeah, hours. It's completely normal. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting to me about the self driving car space, I, I have lots of doubts about truly self driving cars, mm-hmm. but the number of different kinds of companies coming into the space is interesting. Yeah. You've got you've got auto manufacturers who have obvious reasons to be there. You've got Uber, which at least is connected to cars in a fairly direct way. Right. And then you have companies like Google or Apple who are, you know, further away from the, the automobile zone, but are really deep into the, uh, the technology side. I, I just, I think you're going to see some strange alliances come together there. Uh, right. I, I don't know who will end up working together, but I guess, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's just, it's a different play. Like it's a different experience, and um, they're they're solving interesting problems that uh, you know that you I don't think you could solve twenty years ago. You know, in computer computer science until you know until now in terms of you know storage and still like before the internet has matured as more it has too. So, um, but yeah, I'm looking looking forward to see how they how they solve the problem. Number six. Keep talking about you know the internet is primarily uh, a, a mechanism for distributing cat photos, and there was an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal, and then uh, you know based on something in, in a psychological science journal about how you can ease your relationships and and make life happier between you and your spouse by by associating your spouse with photos of cute things, so rabbits and kittens and. You know, I think of my daughter wanting to watch, wanting to see all the pictures and cute emergencies Twitter feed every now and then. Um, and I also like I, I look out my window right now and I see baby rabbits. Hmm. So obviously everything in the world is wonderful and I'm floating <laughs> on a cloud and it's great. Um, but I, you know, like the associating things with these happy images sounds like a, you know, a great way to just like ease all of our concerns and anxieties about other people, right. including people we're close to. Um, I, I wonder if the real reason that we have cat kittens on cat photos on the internet is, is not that it was truly the one place for cat photos. Uh, it was that we get aggravated enough by the internet that if there weren't those kitten photos, we would be like jumping on each other worse than we already do. Right. Um, you know, maybe Twitter should add a, a regular stream of, of cute animal photos to its its feeds right. uh, involuntarily. No, no option on this one. You would have to have the cute kittens or something. Um, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a very weird story that's not surprising. Kind of makes sense out of the internet yeah. and worries me that we're so easily fooled at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like the opposite of guilt by association, right? It's like 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 cute, yes. cute by association, right? And so uh, I, I totally see this 
uh, coming to the future where like you get uh you know you get a bill and the company like oh this is knows because of the analytics like this is like a kind of higher than usual bill we should probably put a two or three photos of uh bunnies you know like on this bill as well when we send it out and so so that way you get your bill like oh i'm really pissed off at this bill but man there's like these really cute bunnies attached to it i'm really like really happy with that <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I'm picturing. You know, you'll you'll know that it's coming from a collections agency when it has this unbelievably cute little rabbit on the envelope. I'm just trying to get you to open it. Right. Or I feel like this is also great because if you have to deal with uh, uh, great for inner office relationships too, where like you have to deal with that one person who's giving you trouble, you just put like, like like you find out where they are and then put them against the wall until up behind him, when you look at them, you just see just cute bu- pictures of bunnies. And yeah. just have him framed up. And so when you're talking to him and, and he's giving you trouble, uh, I, it's a him. But uh, and just say, hey, you know, uh, and just, you know, just, you just see the bunnies behind them. This could be the next frontier for uh, augmented reality. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. He's like, hey, Bob, I can't talk to you right now. Let me put on my, like, my, 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 my AR goggles. So, okay. <laughs> so when you give me, give me your bad news for the day, I can, I can take it. A new version of rose-colored glasses. There you go. I, I think yeah. we definitely need it. Right. And uh, Google Glasses, actually, this is not a story we're meaning to, to uh, uh, tell today, but uh, just to mention it, uh, Google Glass is might be making a comeback. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it, it was it was teased uh, this week. Uh, I'm not I sure. saw something about a software update, so yeah. I guess it's still alive. Yeah, yeah. so like, so there's a little news article popped up that's like, hey, it's not dead yet. So that's always just good. Don't take photos of yourself wearing them in the shower. That's- <laughs> That'd be great. That, we appreciate that as a whole. Society thanks you. Yes. Cool. For your restraint. <laughs> Number five. NASA's Kepler uh, Space Telescope has found uh, the first Earth-sized planet in a, a habitable, uh, habitable Think zone, so. right? So this is great. So there's actually found 10 Earth-like planets uh, outside our solar system. So uh, so yeah, this is like uh, finding the old in a haystack. I would say, just like trying to, um, or maybe we'll find uh, intelligent life. I mean, we kind of apparently we saw like there's life on Mars, but it was like fossilized life. Yeah. So on I mean, Mars, but yeah. So for better or worse, and I don't think we have any idea at this point. There do seem to be a lot more planets than we thought, even recently. Right. Um, you know, there were before we really had the the telescopes searching well. We just we had a lot of theories that also suggested that maybe we were really unusual mm-hmm. and it's, it's good to know that we're not. Um, I don't know that we uh, can easily get to these other planets or communicate with these other planets or any of those things, but, uh, but it's fun to know that there, there are more possibilities out there. Right. Yeah. So I don't know it's, it's, it, you just wonder like, uh, is it going to be that one thing that like tips it over where we, uh, we, we find alien races or if they're out there or not so like you know the whole star trek thing where we have to go warp drive before uh yeah. Vulcan cs or not so that's all until we get warp drive it's all kind of just like really cool stuff so yeah uh, cool uh speaking of space uh india india has a mars orbiter it actually completes it's completed a thousand days orbit uh around uh around mars speaking of mars so yeah so that's pr- pretty awesome stuff that's happened this week week in space exploration so pretty awesome really love it Thanks. I love that we have these, you know, we designed them for one purpose with a certain lifetime and they just kind of keep going. Um, you know, when they did Voyager, the whole leaving the solar system thing, 
they sort of prepped it so that even when it was dead, it would, uh, you know, have that crazy record and images on it. Right. Um, but a lot of these things, well, they either keep going forever or they don't make it at all. But it's it's nice to see. Yeah, I mean, like the whole story of like uh, the satellite that didn't that didn't land because we were using the raw metrics with with UK. Yeah. So that's always fun. It's a good sign of human frailty. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then like Challenger apparently uh, exploding because well, of PowerPoint. So I was. I, kind of I don't remember the PowerPoint. I remember the O-ring, but I guess maybe oh, yeah. it was our point route to it. Well, yeah, Tufty, uh, Edward Tufty, uh, uh, um, he, they, were brought, he, they brought him in as one of the consultants. That's why Challenger exploded. And so um, the, the one fact about the O-rings wasn't tucked away in a PowerPoint, but it was a bullet point list text that was kind of like, you kind of gloss over PowerPoints when you read them and mm-hmm. present them. And so that's what he said, like, uh, pretty brunch. He's like, he, he uses that as an example of uh, the uh, failure of PowerPoint uh, in, that, in that regard. So, but yeah, so, uh, but, uh, but yeah, but people still use PowerPoint. I sort of think that glossing over is what it's for, but yeah. <laughs> so why, uh, so well, why are things bad at the office, Bob? Okay. <laughs> Not enough uh, photos of bunnies in, on the walls, sir. Well, there has been a nice trend towards, you know, slide decks that do include a lot of, you know, kitten photos and rabbit photos. Maybe it's all coming together. Yeah, and Jeff And space photos. So, yeah. Yeah. Number four. Roaming charges have, uh, across the EU have been scrapped. And so this is, uh, I guess, part of the uh, EU alliance is that they're uh, get rid of uh, roaming charges. You, know, you thought roaming charges were bad when you left the United States. Or like you go to like you know, heaven forbid uh, Puerto Rico or like you know Virgin Islands when you know, it's like I'm still in America right but uh, not really but no you're not so yeah the European Parliament uh, February has uh, scrapped uh, the being charged extra for phone calls text messages or like internet outside their home countries when traveling inside the EU so I mean so it's so it's a really uh, benefit for Europeans and so that's really good so um, yeah. Yeah, it's something that really shows, that gives people a direct uh, connection to, like, why this is useful. Uh, when your cell phone bill goes down, it's a lot easier to cheer for it. Yeah. Um, I kind of dream of something similar with the U.S. and Canada, because I live pretty close to Canada. Yeah. Um, and I've had bizarre cases where, like, my phone would switch from the U.S. towers to the Canadian towers, no matter which side of the river I was on. Yeah. And uh, it just kept giving me text messages about roaming, not roaming, roaming, yeah. not roaming. It's a strange world out there. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like we're kind of, you know, like ruled by uh, phone antennas in some way, like cell phone towers. Yes. In some way. So it's they're like they're taking over. They're like there are prison and visible prisons. So, so you know, as much as we uh, rely more on on the internet. So, but yeah, because uh, we went on a um, trip with uh, uh, Greg and Stephanie uh, Ruiz because they used mm-hmm. to do uh, nerds uh, cruise in the. Uh, British Virgin Islands, and so uh, it was kind of crazy just to see when you would have being American uh, cell tower, and then you're into the British uh, cell tower, and when you didn't have it, it was kind of like kind of this weird, you know, like as a nerd, I was like, oh, I can breathe, I can, I can text, you know, and, and then <laughs> and I, got, I have oxygen. I mean, cell signal. Number three. 
so as we get more and more dependent on the internet, the internet seems to know more about us. Um, and a friend of mine named uh, Grant McCracken was talking recently about a about a conversation he had with people who were, you know, wondering why their vintage business in Portland wasn't doing as well as it as it should have been. Uh, it used to be doing well, and Portland seems like a really great place to be doing this. Um, some of my first memories of Portland are actually Oregon, are kind of like wandering through through vintage stores. Um, but there were some signs, and and partly it was that the number of vintage stores in Portland had simply. Uh, dropped over the years. I think it went from like 12 to 4 or something in the zone they were looking at. But if you took a look at at Google Trends, you could see with their geography tools, kind of the analytics we were talking about earlier, uh, that interest in vintage stuff was just plain plunging. And in Portland, there was like a really sharp drop. And, you know, I don't know what would cause that sudden lack of interest. It's a lot easier for me to talk about trends that suddenly take off. Um, I'd never heard of a fidget spinner until about three months ago and suddenly they were everywhere yeah. and now they've apparently burned out again and are fading and all these stores will be stuck with inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of vintage stores as having a little more, uh, strength to them. Um, but you know, some of the things that Grant was looking at was like, where are people still interested in vintage stores? And if they moved, you know, where, where would it make sense to go? Um, despite, you know, Portland's, stereotype of being uh, the land of these things, it turns out that go south was probably a better idea. Um, don't go don't go east because nobody in Boise wants them. but if you go south <laughs> to Eugene, there's a lot more uh, lot more interest in vintage stuff. Um, there are lots of problems with this. Uh, you know I it's interesting like even when I'm traveling I'll be doing searches for things that I'm you know I don't know if they're counting as going towards my my upstate New York life or these are things that I can find in Los Angeles and not anyplace else um, the you know the the kinds of data that Google is working with well I've used Google Trends for a lot of things over the years um, let's just say that it's not always uh, reliable uh, your mileage may vary um, in what way um, sometimes it's ahead of a trend, uh, especially if it's about tech. People will do a lot of searches on things before they're actually ready to use them. Um, sometimes it's behind a trend. This is something I find more frequently in like the woodworking stuff. Um, even though there are many techies on in, in the woodworking world, uh, they there are a lot of people in woodworking who don't really give a damn about computers and don't actually use Google but their conversations still kind of percolate into the community. So it it varies pretty wildly. I'm guessing that vintage in Portland is something that works pretty well. Um, you know, if you want to look up how the rest of the world is thinking about something you're looking into or considering getting out of, it, it seems like a reasonable place to look. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see, like, you don't want to, um, if you're using Google Trends as, as a, as a wayfinder, you don't want to be it as your sole like data input, right? So just yeah, yeah. So mix with the rest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just definitely see see that. But yeah, I'm interested. I've never. I don't. I've. I know about uh, Google Trends, but I never really used it uh, that much as a tool before. But but since this article, I've like, I think I now I really want to like use it as a hammer. Like, where else can I put this into? Well, it's fun to poke around on. I frequently use it for things like programming languages and frameworks and, you know, trying to get a sense of how they're comparing. Um, 
Google is not the one true answer, but it's an answer and it's frequently useful. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks like uh, I just put in Angular versus React, mm-hmm. and it looks like Angular is still still doing awesome. So, yes, React has been growing faster, but Angular is definitely holding on really well. Yeah. Um, the one to two thing is complicated and doesn't show up in just a simple search in trends. Although you could probably do Angular one, Angular two, and React. Oh, okay. And the data would look different. Um, I guess that's the other thing with these systems. However much data Google has, it's pretty much up to us to decide how we want to slice and dice it. Right. And some of those things work better with the data they have than, than other things. Okay. Cool. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like the angle, like, like you know, making sure like the technology searches, it's, be, be careful. So cool. Awesome. Number two. As ordinary as the having internet access seems to us these days, um, <laughs> minus some flaws with cross-border uh, issues. Um, there are lots of places that don't really have good internet access. I think you're on Google Fiber, if I remember right. So you're in good shape. I'm on what was Time Warner, and I'm in very mediocre shape. Um, if you go 10 miles north of me, it gets you get about half the bandwidth again, and then you know there are places that just don't have it. So Google is, or not Google, Mozilla is looking for ways to uh, get the internet out to more people. Um, And also, it's interesting because they advertise this thing as a decentralized the web project. Um, And there are a lot of different ways I could read that. Uh, There was a a web decentralization summit last year that was more about like the structure of sites and applications on the web. Uh, there's the constant kind of net neutrality problem of having like five major providers, uh, only one or two of which are available at any given place. That could be decentralized. And also just the cities have much, much better access to web uh, and internet access than than anybody else does. Uh, partly that's just because it's easier to connect people when they're close together. And partly it's because well, honestly, a lot of it has to do with money. Uh, right now, if you're in a city that has a lot of money, you have much better access to internet. If you're in a city that's struggling, you don't. If you're in a poor area, you get kind of the double whammy. Uh, I mean, if you're in a rural area, you get the, the double the double whammy because there's usually less money there and it's harder to connect you. Um, they're doing a couple interesting things. Um, one is they're they're working on things that deal with, that survive disasters. Um, this has always been my favorite part of decentralized models is that when things fail, um, you can kind of reconnect a grid instead of everybody going through a center point that's prone to fail. Um, but they're also looking at things that are, uh, really more connected to communities, um, that, that, you know, might have to do with isolation or it might have to do with, uh, just lack of infrastructure. Um, they talk about some of my favorite bits of reusing infrastructure. Uh, New York had a thing, New York City had a thing going where they were reusing all the old dead phone booths. Um, it didn't, it didn't survive, I think mostly for reasons involving, um, the terms of access that their provider was, was using. I think they, again, surveillance may have been part of that story, but I'm not sure I had the right story. Um, there's... There's a lot we'd like to have. There's a lot that we built in the past and we aren't using. You know, can communities come together and, and, and fit the parts together? 
you know, we in America, like we we had the uh, stimulus bill uh, a while back, and and the part that was aimed at infrastructure jobs, and uh, I was thought that uh, it would be better just to have part of that money be the allocated to putting down fiber, you know, mm-hmm. into communities that don't would normally not get it, but if they were, if they did have the you know cost and the fiber you know installed then uh, you know a telecom could come in easily and and turn on the switches and not easily but like you know with limited uh, investment and give access to to communities and that would be a great boon in terms of that mm-hmm. and so i really think it's in terms of thinking of internet access as infrastructure and a utility mm-hmm. um that's almost on par with the, the telephone and electricity you know so i think that's just work even though like, you can probably swap out the the internet the, the phone with the internet now but uh but yeah i just think that's where it should be going i wish you know whichever you know in terms of american politics whichever party actually like takes that mantle up i'm like they're gonna, they're gonna get my vote so it just kind of like mm-hmm. gotta get me but uh i just feel like that's so commonplace but uh and also uh facebook zuckerberg was trying to uh he's got his uh always up in the airplanes for internet broadcasting yeah uh, so yeah, and somebody was somebody was talking about balloons and yeah, maybe yeah. zeppelins. Although I think the zeppelins, but yes, there there are lots of different ways to do it. Um, I mean, here a lot of what's happening is wireless, and right. you know, rural wireless internet isn't always great for the kinds of conversations we're having now. You get more cutouts than, yeah. but we can dream. Yeah, I mean, like like I think a, a zeppelin these days would be awesome because you have more weather uh, data coming in. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially on you know, American on the state side, uh, so you actually navigate around storms better. You actually get better wind. I mean, I'm not saying like there's the act of God when like a wind gust is going to come up and go crazy on you, but uh, just feel like that. And then uh, you part of the joy, part of the joy there is just that we have weather equipment on more planes. Right. So it's kind of this mutually reinforcing thing where the planes collect the data. And the weather service has more data, which lets them predict things better for planes. And right. maybe this makes life easier for Zeppelins, too. Right. Yeah. So I think that's great. But I think a Zeppelin actually crashed or a blimp crashed this past week, too. So I'm not really sure. That's a, oh, well. That's a damper on that one. But uh, but yeah. But yeah. But speaking of, uh, and then like, then like, like I would love to have an automated uh, Zeppelin uh, trip. But uh, that goes into our next story. Number one. Where uh, Boeing is testing self-flying planes and so that's uh you know it goes into uh like you know talking about uh, apple uh in uh, uh driving around uh, trying to do uh, self-driving cars is, is that uh boeing is going to be uh i think boeing sees that there's, there's gonna be this need for like hundreds of thousands of pilots in the next 20 20 30 years and so that's just a lot of people that need to be trained and uh to do that and so they, they like one of the solutions that boeing is looking at because a they make planes <laughs> so they, they have an interest they have a they have a financial stake in the future of, uh, of their industry so uh they're looking at uh seeing the planes can actually fly up and, and take off and i think it doesn't go to a lot of details because it's, it's kind of like boeing like kind of doing like a press release like we are looking into this and aren't we great you know type of type of thing to keep their investors happy but uh uh you know i could i could see like a uh, pilotless planes taking off from dedicated airports like you have like you know dedicated runways for FedEx and, and all that stuff like that too. So I just feel like that, that'd be a pretty awesome. And of course I think the, in, in the actual story, they, they hinted at uh, that um, you're probably uh pilot's plane would be pretty much like a FedEx where like you know, they ship pa- packages uh, instead of actually doing, you know, 
people first. So, or passengers, people, something like that. So cool. You're definitely going to see the automated flying and driving probably first in freight in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, easier to solve the problem if you build systems that are specifically for that. Um, and, you know, FedEx already has its own airports and things like that. I think they're probably in a uniquely good position to test these things out. Uh, the other thing, I mean, they've already done this for a lot of the flying experience. Autopilot tends to work pretty well in the sky unless there's really weird weather or something. Mm-hmm. It's that whole takeoff and landing thing yeah. that I'm really like, who's my pilot? Is this a Navy pilot? Is this an Air Force pilot? How hard is the touchdown going to be? Um, I, I, you know, I'm not, I won't be surprised if it's a solvable problem, but I also suspect it's going to be easier for packages uh, to take a uh, to take a hard landing than for people to take a hard landing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. Definitely. So it should be, it should be interesting in the near future. I mean, I don't know. Should we, you know, do you think within 20 years, will we have uh, self-driving touring cars and self-flying planes? Depends on what you mean by self-driving. I mean, if I can, I, I think we'll have a car that I can drive like on a highway and not really be paying attention to what's happening most of the time. Sure. Do I think I'll have a car that can navigate every strange corner that I dealt with in Los Angeles last week? Mm-hmm. It seems a lot less likely. Right. So you think like the interstate, you're just like hand control over, but once you get off the ramp, yeah. it'll just take over. Okay. That seems like an easy win. Uh, that's a hard fought easy win. That one, that one I think will actually solve within like 10 years. I don't think that one's that far away. Yeah. Uh, but the... The really like full can drive any place and make deliveries to strange corners of the of the world that require like six point turns. I think that's a ways off. That's pretty nice. Okay, uh, well, I think that's about it. Uh, how can people find find you on the internet? Aaron, I'm spread your love. I'm usually at simonsaintl at something. Uh, if you look for me on simonsaintl.com, if you email me simonsaintl at simonsaintl.com. Uh, Twitter is Simon St. L. Um, it work on S. Laurent. I don't know. I think these things happen, but that's okay. All right. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for being with us this week. Yeah. Always happy to be here. Awesome.